On today's episode of the Drive-In Podcast, we have our review of Shang-Chi. We then have our express checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have an extensive trailer roundup this week, and then we have our top billing of superhero origin movies. Holy crap, what an electric factory. So use the bathroom now. Grab your popcorn and enjoy the 53rd episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bottom. Bing bada boom. Well, Ricky Flex, welcome to the 53rd episode of the drive-in. We have arrived. It's just me and you. Pairing up for this episode of the drive-in. Fletch, what have you been watching lately? Well, first off, standing uh, timing standing ovation season is back. We have <laughs> a lot of festivals going on. Read them off. Got... Do you have any stats on you? Oh, well, not on me, but I, I have a couple memorized. So Spencer, the one obviously with Kristen Stewart. Uh, Three-minute standing ovation in Venice. That's not Oscar winner. But people were saying they loved it, and Oscar maybe an Oscar nom for Kristen Stewart. Dune, seven minutes, seven minute mm, ovation. We got to hit double digits, though. That's the key. No one hit double digits. Key no statistic. One. I remember when Joker came out and it hit double digits, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, this is gonna is this, are we doing this? Are we looking at each other? Are we doing this?" <laughs> <laughs> but standing ovation season's me? back. We got to time them. Yeah. Huge. Standing ovation but season who, is back. I can't imagine doing a standing ovation for even seven minutes. Even three minutes is crazy. They got to be clapping once every like four but, seconds. Yeah, like a. <laughs> exactly. Maybe like, then they, 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 they have everyone clapping at a different time. So it sounds like we're, there's like numerous claps. Yes. Maybe a couple I mean? stomps and a couple whistles. I can't yes, whistle. So, so it doesn't sound like a slow clap. Yes. So Venice Film Festival, we had Dune uh, be, uh, debuting. We had Last Night in Soho debuting. We had Spencer debuting. A bunch of Oscar contenders hitting the theaters after, uh, after much delay. After much delay from the mm-hmm. coronavirus pandemic. So, Ricky Flex, uh, Dune, right now debuting at what? 80, 87% of Rotten Tomatoes with about 40 yeah, it's gone reviews. Up. It's gone up. Yes. It was initially like at 82 Right. It's going up right now. So uh, are you surprised with that number? Or do you think it's uh, pretty fitting? I think um, – so I, I don't remember, but I was, think, I was thinking high 80s for Dune, like 88. Um, I could see it going even higher or, or back to where the 82 levels. I really don't know. I've seen some mixed things on it, and same with Spencer, but especially with one that we didn't mention that was at the festival that I did not see any standing ovation uh, times for, and that's the card counter, which we're reviewing next week. 97 so, right now 97. 97 but i didn't see any numbers or else i just missed it i didn't see any standing ovation numbers so we'll see man that's the one with tiffany haddish in a supporting role the love interest of oscar isaac willem dafoe as the villain in the film barry kagan also in the film as a supporting character one of the best supporting actors in the game right now i can't wait for that review next week uh we're, hopefully our boy oscar isaac will do some damage Oh, yeah. And Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. And your boy, Kagan. And your boy. Kagan. Kagan. 
pay attention to the blog for the unrewatchable series uh, for Killing of a Sacred Deer. That will be out soon. I know I promised it on a previous episode. It's nearly perfect. Uh, Ricky Flex, are you ready for the checkout? Send it. Huge docket this week. Let's get going. One more moment, Doctor. Bringing you the latest news in the movie industry. This is the checkup with Dr. O. Dr. O, check us out. Gavin O'Connor reveals that he's cast former UFC champion Daniel Cormier in a Warrior sequel series. Cormier will be playing Bobby Watkins, who lives in Houston and is fighting his way out of poverty. Gavin O'Connor is calling the show Warriors. O'Connor also revealed there are no characters from the movie, so no Tom Hardy, no Joel Edgerton. It's, it's got the DNA of the, movie, of the movie, but the most important part of the show is that it's not about the fight in the cave. Next up on the checkup, Michael K. Williams, best known for his work on The Wire and Boardwalk Empire, has passed away at the age of 54. Rest in peace to an HBO icon. Next up on the check- checkup, Shang-Chi has earned $90 million in the film's first four-day domestic box office Labor Day weekend. It is the highest amount any film has grossed over Labor Day weekend. Next up, the many states of newer creators are willing to make more prequels to the, uh, to the Sopranos. Which other Sopranos prequels do we want to see made? We shall see. Warner Brothers has given a first glimpse at the Matrix Resurrections with a trailer expected to drop this Thursday, the day this podcast drops. Images were released of a bold Yaya Abdul-Mateen, a bearded Keanu Reeves, a John Wick-esque Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, and Jessica Henwick. Next up on the checkup, the much-anticipated news. Addison Rae has signed a deal to star in multiple films for Netflix. Go follow us on TikTok at The Drive-In Pod. Next up, we got more. Owen Wilson, has, Owen Wilson has been cast alongside Tiffany Haddish and Lakeith Stanfield in the live-action Haunted Mansion movie for Disney+. Plus. Owen Wilson confirmed back. Lastly, on the checkup, we had Christopher Lloyd and Jaden Martell stars of live-action Ricky Morty. Go watch the promo from Adult Swim. Who turned down the role of Morty? One, Daniel Radcliffe. That does it for the checkup this week. Ricky Flicks. Which of these many headlines grabbed your attention most? Well, Rick and Morty, you know, I know Nez is with me on this one. Rick and Morty's big. And obviously that show originated from the Christopher Lloyd character kind of based off of Back to the Future. And he's playing basically himself, but a drunk. So very, (laughs) very, very interested to see how that's going to go. I like he obviously looks the part and it's based off of him. So you can't bet against him. But it did feel, feel kind of forced in the live action. But we'll see. We will see. Um, but that's obviously going to be like my favorite one out of this checkup. Uh, how about yourself? Uh, so I'm not a big Rick and Morty guy, but this is just a promo, right? They're not doing anything beyond this, right? I'm, I have no idea. I think uh, it's just a promo, uh, to yeah. be honest. But I, if you never know. You never know. Because uh, Justin Roiland, uh, uh, the creator, one of the creators, and Dan Harmon, they've talked about live action before in a movie. So I wow. can see it actually happening. Maybe not with this cast. Uh, exactly they they have talked about a rick and morty movie i do remember hearing about that so i i wouldn't put it past them this was just a promo but i wouldn't put it past them or just an animated movie maybe but we'll see wouldn't be the first movie that they're in hell of a cameo in space jam a new legacy yes yes hell of a cameo an unexpected one uh i really wanted to bring up also michael k williams 
Um, like literally when you think of HBO, you think of Michael K. Williams, no joke. Uh, it could be him in the wire boardwalk empire or the night of, it seems like he was a talented, dramatic actor. I really loved him in boardwalk empire. One of my favorite shows of all time produced by Scorsese, Michael K. Williams, like steals the show in that, uh, in that in that project uh it's really something i and i said this has come from someone who's only seen the first season of the wire so i haven't even seen his best work yeah so it's really I, sad that it, this is where it ends um but he's had a hell of a career yeah i haven't seen boardwalk empire but that's on the list uh but omar little the wire uh one of the best and most badass television show characters of all time without a doubt this was obviously sad incredibly sad news um and obviously like you think hbo with him but also like he's played a lot of minor roles or side roles supporting roles and gone baby gone the gambler with michael uh mike uh, mark Wahlberg. uh he was in the sopranos for an episode uh, as richie's uh kids uh like as a little know. crossover wasn't it with yeah Dwyer? yeah so um obviously like incredibly sad news and great talent and i'll be missed will be missed um i think what also stands out from this checkup uh i i really want to talk about uh the matrix resurrections we don't have we might have to do a trailer reaction for youtube for this tomorrow but uh i was kind of disappointed by these images why well keanu reeves looks like he's just in john wick four <laughs> in these pictures I, I like i like i guess there was some cool shots where Keanu Reeves is looking in a mirror and then he has an older version of himself. It actually looks nothing like himself in the, in the picture. But it, when they had the close up of him, like almost like with Kung Fu hands, it looked like he was John Wick. It was just the same it's, thing. It, it's like, oh, I didn't want to shave and do everything because I know John Wick 4 is coming and we're filming that. So I kind of can't do that. So just make sure I look exactly the same because I really got to focus on John Wick 4. It's like, hey, like I love John Wick 4, but if you're going to do The Matrix, you got to do it right. If you're not going to bring it back 20 years later or whatever, 15 years later, and just be John Wick, even though I love John Wick, I'm just saying. There's a chance that they want to capitalize on what Keanu Reeves has become in the second half of his career and mm-hmm. that what is most recognizable with audiences, what hits most with audiences. It's this John Wick look. And what didn't age well is Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions. So, like, maybe they want to get away from that look, give him that grizzled look, the one that everyone mm. seems to adore. So it kind of makes sense, you know? Yeah, that, I, that's a great point. I didn't think of that. And then, like, Yaya, he's got to be young Morpheus after looking at him in that yeah. picture, right? Yeah, hey, I thought that was the one still I really liked. Yeah. yeah like, it's I think just Yaya bald. Like, I can't wait. He got, he's like, he is young Morpheus. This is, we're, we're doing this. If you haven't listened to our review of Candyman from last week, I highly recommend you do so. That was a great review. It was just us like raving about Yaya. Like he is <laughs> a certified A-lister in Hollywood right now. Him as young Morpheus is going to be electric. But it's so depressing that Agent Smith, Hugo Weaving, is not confirmed to come back in this movie. He's got to somehow be in it. I still am going to hold out hope. I think so weird. Why does he have such bad relationships with major studios? I I don't know. He might just be difficult to work with. Maybe I know uh, like he used to work in New Zealand and Australia for a lot of independent films before he made his big break. But uh, I, I really don't know. And so it's like, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, me and Ricky Fletcher talking about Hugo Weaving did not appear as his 
uh, villain Red Skull that he portrayed in Captain America, the first Avenger. He did not reprise the, reprise the role in Avengers Infinity War or Endgame. That was a different actor who played him. They did a great job with it, in my opinion, but Hugo Weaving is Hugo Weaving. We want to see Hugo Weaving. Yeah. Uh, I think we should – we have some loaded trailers here, Ricky Flex. Yeah. I think, I think we have to get to the trailer roundup. Yeah, just go there. We, just for time's sake, we, we can talk about this checkup a lot, but this trailer roundup is going to be a And I, I don't mean to offend G- Gavin O'Connor. I love Warrior, also the director of Miracle, yeah. also the producer yeah. of Mayor of Easttown, which is a phenomenal show that I finally <laughs> got around to watching. Unreal. And we don't want to give – hey, we don't want to offend Addison Ray either, right? Uh, we don't want to – yeah, we <laughs> can't dismiss such a talent. You know, we can't. We can't. One, one person that does it all maybe the next lady gaga uh trailer roundup here we had a few trailers i'm gonna list them off we had jake gyllenhaal starring in the first trailer for antoine fuqua's the guilty films adapted from a very successful foreign film bearing the same name film releases on october 1st on netflix we're less than a month away three weeks to be exact we also had walking phoenix starring the first trailer for mike mills's come on come on from a24 Joaquin, A24, yo, yo, yo. The film releases in November in theaters. No specific date yet. We also had a Don't Look Up teaser trailer from Adam McKay with a stressed Leo DiCaprio uh, that's officially been released. We also had Many Saints of Newark with its second major trailer. That movie's coming out October 1st, three weeks away. Stay tuned for that review on the Drive-In Podcast with very special guests, uh, Palmer Sperry and Cody Sperry. Uh, we're going to be uh, going from Kudu Brown, best Connecticut, Texas barbecue that's ever existed. Uh, we also have Last Night in Soho, October 29th, and then Belfast from Kenneth Branagh, November 12th. Ricky Flex, pick your favorite. Let's talk about them. You're here now. You're here now. Leo, stressed Leo, don't look up. There's only a teaser, one minute, but wow. Jonah Hill kind of stole the show in this one, but you saw Meryl Streep, like President Streep. And you got all the stills of uh, Ariana Grande and uh, Kid Cudi together. You got a long hair, Timothy Chalamet. Like this, this was pretty crazy. The stills and the one minute here and just the you're here now. And then Jonah Hill just going, being charismatic, Donnie Azoff, uh, straight right. Donnie Azoff, uh, straight up Donnie Azoff uh, character. So that was definitely like the highlight for, at least for me, for one of, if not the most anticipated film of the rest of the year. I agree. Like, like, like I, I, may, I don't, I don't know if it's my favorite of these trailers because it's only a thirty-second blip, a little bit. Right. But yeah. It's fast. It's so fascinating to see Leo as this character. It was like, also released a, like, uh, like you actually like tweeted out like right away. Like, right. The, it's leaked already. Leaked. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So Leo is playing a timid character that doesn't necessarily steal the screen. Someone who is. Uh, it just seems like it's, he's trying something new, something unfamiliar to him, potentially more comedic than anything he's ever done. Although you can make a case, the Wolf of Wall Street is the, probably the funniest character he's ever played. I think him in this a movie is going to be fascinating. I'm just I'm curious about the screen time. You see a lot of Jonah Hill in this. Um, I, he might just be some fantastic comic relief. He, as, as you said before, he's potentially ripping off the Donny Azoff character a bit here. Um, but it has so many names to it. I like, I wish I saw more. I just wanted another minute or a minute and a half tacked onto this trailer because this arguably is the greatest cast that's coming out this year. Uh, they didn't even mention the fact Chris Evans is in the movie. Didn't even mention it. Yeah, right. Matthew I don't even think you, yeah. they didn't even list his name and he's in it. It's not Matthew Perry, Matthew Perry. Yeah. On the same level <laughs> on the same. Uh, so it's yeah, Chandler Bing, Steve Rogers, same level. Uh, 
Yeah. So, I mean, December, well, it's December 17th, same week as Spider-Man No Way Home. It's uh, December 10th in theaters only. And I think it's the 22nd now, not the 17th Got uh, it. for both Netflix and the theaters. So it's kind of, it's kind of bouncing around, but now it's solidified. And Adam McKay, like uh, one of the best, like, comedic dramatic type of directors of the combination combo. of the two so good um it's not like like todd phillips has gone from comedies to strictly dramas and like you don't have that necessary that combo in a movie adam mckay almost masters that ability and he creates uh such great chemistry between the cast like i don't i don't know if he he must have some involvement with the writing of his scripts i can't even, wait to see how this comes together whoever like, uh compiled this trailer even did a great job because they had like the you're here now you're the, like leo stressed and very serious dramatic like this is going to end the world and it says brought to you from the director of the big short and vice to it was probably most serious works and then it goes like to like jonah hill laughing or whatever and then it goes also anchorman and like, <laughs> yeah. so it's like even the person Ricky who, bobby <laughs> yeah yeah it's like the person who filed the show like knew what they were doing did such a great job with that so good. Uh, I, I'm really excited for it. But I also want to talk about Jake Gyllenhaal in The Guilty. So I, we both love Jake Gyllenhaal. You more so than me, even though I adore him. Hey, too. he's a hey, avid listener of the Driving Pod. An avid listener. As anyone ever has checked out our Instagram, he listens to every single episode. He even takes a picture of himself and uploads it to our Instagram, which he has full access to. So Jake Gyllenhaal, he's there adopting this movie that is beloved by foreign fans like foreign movie fans love the guilty so what i noticed when i looked at uh tweets online and uh hearing the response to this trailer <coughs> oh no <coughs> oh sorry water here yeah sandy water but uh hearing the seeing the reaction to this trailer it seemed a little bit divisive because they're like why are they making this movie again it was mm. a masterpiece the first time it gave me vibes of like uh um What's that movie? I have, uh, Mads I have a, Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen uh, in the uh-huh. late, just one best foreign film. Oh, another round. Another round. Like Leo is going to be playing Mads Mikkelsen's character in another round. Like, oh. is there like, since these like we forget foreign, that, by the these way. foreign films that get such praise now and they have so much notoriety in the US, is it like, does it deter the newer movie that comes out? Because you're obviously ripping it off or you're adapting it in a different way. Is that going to like, anger moviegoers when this film comes out uh that's a great question people I think love it'll, this it'll, movie it would anger definitely an international audience and american audience i think will be device divisive i'm uh, not necessarily like I, I i love jake g so like you're not gonna get me on that but uh, i see your point here um by the way we didn't we gotta throw some thermometer predictors here for this movie oh, yeah. this is a full trailer like don't look up we can wait for the full one but this one i'll just go first I had like, I really loved the beginning with the calls and him like being annoyed with his job and everything. I really loved it. I was like, wow, this is looking good. This is looking good. And finally he gets the call of, uh, and I'm like, oh my God, this is really good. And then it, it goes Great on tantrums and everything. But two things uh, make me nervous for this movie. One, Anton Fuqua, obviously he's a kind of like action director training day, the equalizer, but his last film, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Paramount Plus, Straight to Paramount Plus, uh, Infinite, tough. Um, so I'm a little nervous with that. Magnificent, ma- the remake to Magnificent Seven is also, also tough, him, I believe. Um, and then I got from the what are we doing with fires here? What are we doing? Those wish me dead. So yeah. I 66 as of right now, uh, predometer thermometer predictor for me. 
I'm going to be a little more optimistic. I'm going with 81 just because it's going to, yes. it's going to carry right. on. The, it's going to carry on the shoulders of Jake Gyllenhaal. This had 81 written all over it for me. Uh, Antoine Fuqua is the question mark, but Jake G wouldn't do it if it wasn't a fantastic script. And it's a powerful like performance. Like if he's going to carry this movie, a la Nightcrawler, like he's going to be in oh. every, he's going to be in every moment of this movie. He's the guy on the call. Yeah, true. Right? Yeah, you're right. I think it's just like it could be the lack of action. It's gonna be a very emotional performance. Mm -hmm. So I think like this is where like it kind of gets a little sketchy because like are we just gonna rely on the fact he's gonna go Tom Hanks and cast away and just take this movie by storm? Is he capable? Certainly. Is he great in dramatic thrillers? Absolutely. Proven track record. I know, so I'm confident in it. Yeah, and I guess like Nick Pozzato uh, or I don't know, whatever you say. He's a lot of he's a right. yeah, true he's detective, true detective writer, and wow, incredible writer in that show. So, like he's writing this one, so I'm I'm very I'm very uh, interested. Obviously, one of your most anticipated movies coming up. I just I really hope that you're right, and I hope it's even better because we just mentioned I love Jake G. Jake G to the moon. Uh Let's talk about Many Saints of Newark, dude. We have to talk about this trailer. Mm-hmm. I am so hyped for this movie. I, I actually drafted this for the most anticipated movies for the rest of 2021. I watched it right before we uh, recorded here. There are so many juicy Sopranos moments in this new trailer that were missing in the first one. We got older. We got Pussy Senior, right? That makes an appearance. We got Baby Christopher. We finally see Uncle June talk. We have... Like basically, you have you have Dickie Moltisanti throughout. Like yes, basically, a lot of Dickie. You look like I think Dickie Dickie's got to be the main character. It has to be. I I loved it. I, I this trailer was awesome. This trailer was awesome, and you got to see more John Berthold. You got to see more Leslie Odom Jr. You got to see more young Tony. Like this trailer gave you everything you wanted and more. You had the setting I, too. The setting so was it perfect. So good. It it gave you everything you wanted, and you just want to see the rest of it. Ray Liotta. That looked good. He's like at the end, he's like I'm a murderer. What do, you, what do you expect? Like, awesome. Like this trailer, awesome. I don't want to get. I'm gonna set back my expectations a little bit, and I'm gonna give it an 85 predict. A prediction we already here. did this one. We already did this one. But the, oh crap, I don't even remember what I get. But oh hey, yeah, I I'm adjusting it after this one. Whatever I said, I, I think I gave it like an 88 or something. I, I, right. I, I rated it a high. Like I have very high hopes with David Chase back writing Sopranos level characters. Yeah. Certified fresh, give it to me. Successful show of all time. I, yeah. I, I, I even told you, this is like obviously you can lean into this. Like okay, this is more of a blockbuster movie fan fi- fan fanfare and everything like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i said there was a chance like we could be like getting awards territory here so oh, i think like, it's this like I, I, that's young tony a gets uh no, young Gandalf I, gets a... I, I honestly didn't like him in the trailer like in the but you got to see a lot of them which is like what i wish we wanted to though. see it's the voice it doesn't you're not selling me on the voice it doesn't have it like he was great in the first one where he's like threatening he's the also guy. A kid I know, but it's just it didn't. Didn't do you agree or do you disagree or do you just not care? I didn't care as much. I think he still has the same mannerisms, Damn. which I think is more important. I think the mannerisms, the important. way it looks, is more important than the voice because the voice, again, he's a kid. Like as my, long my, as my voice was different when I was sixteen or less. He was in high school, so as long as he's menacing and doesn't have the makings of a varsity athlete, he's just going to be fine. <laughs> right? He's just going to be fine. Okay, and I was so glad you... to hear Uncle June, one of my favorite yeah, characters from The Sopranos. Corey Stahl, underrated actor, uh, great in um, House of Cards. I really like yes. House of Cards. Yes. Uh, man, many states of Newark's less than a month away. Last night in Soho, 
man, Edgar Wright going full horror thriller on us right now. No comedic uh, time. No, no, no comedic writing or no comedic scenes that I could see in this trailer. Thomas and McKenzie looks creepy as hell. Who looks even more creepy? Anya Taylor Joy and Matt Smith. Like this is going to be full Matt on Smith, thriller. Oof. Like you better have just. I'll be. I'll be chopping on at least two buckets of popcorn during this film. It's gonna it's kind of freak me out a bit, but nevertheless, I'm excited. Like it's like you're going from Shaun of the Dead. You're taking out everything comedic that Edgar Wright put in it. It's like I can't wait to see what this type of like venture he goes into because we've only seen him do like those comedic horror movies, or we see him do something with like a blockbuster esque with Baby Driver. So the documentary this movie, earlier this year, documentary The Sparks, right? Sparks yeah. documentary, which is highly so critically acclaimed. Yeah, he he just seems like whatever he's touching is turning to gold. It doesn't matter the genre he's doing; it's just displaying how good of a filmmaker he truly is. And that I didn't even bring up Scott Pilgrim versus the World. That's his favorite movie. So yeah, this is a big test for him it's huge it's huge and the cast like, like you have two of the greatest young actresses in hollywood in thomas and mckenzie and anya taylor joy i can't wait for it i know it's nez is probably the most anticipated movie for the rest of the year it's probably just outside my top five yeah it's i i think in our first anticipated movie uh draft back pre like summer like in the spring end of winter i picked this in my top five and like i'm looking forward to it this trailer was awesome you saw the quote from George Miller, I think, right? You or uh, he said that he became interested in casting Anya Taylor Joy after seeing that um, a screening of this movie, and says that she's going to be huge. So if George Miller's saying that and picked her to be Furiosa, like Furiosa, like that's insane. So George Miller, like, what was the animated movie he did? Was it uh, Surf's Up? What did he I, do? Oh, I love Surf's Up. I picked that. I think he did. Non Disney animated. We need yeah. a fact check. George Miller. Did he do Surf's Up? No, Look up George Miller's is... filmography right now. I swear to God, if he did, oh, that would be something. He, well, all the Mad Maxes. All right, Ricky Flix is looking right now. So, He's yeah. scrolling. He don't, tell me he didn't do an animated feature. He did Happy Feet. Happy Feet. Matthew Dang Brockers. it. I said Surf's Up. It's the same movie. It's the same whoa. movie. Not, whoa, maybe not. Whoa, okay. Whoa. Happy. Well, I mean, Happy Feet. Happy Feet's unbelievable. It's you like Happy cute. Feet? It's cute. Oh, it's so so. It surfs up. Oh well, surfs up's hilarious. I I, I, I cool. was a fan of Happy Feet. Well, I, it's not, I don't hate Happy Feet, but I just think I think it's just hilarious that George Miller enough. goes from Happy Feet and, and probably the, Mad the next Max film, is... the Mad Max was that his next movie? He took so many years off. Well, Happy Feet too. <laughs> he did he do the sequel too? Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> a genius! A genius! Man. All right. Uh, 88 for me for this one. 88 for you. Wow. Yeah. I like that score I, a lot. I'm going to go a little lower with the 85. 85 for me. Um, before, I guess uh, the trailer I want to talk about last, the Belfast one, I, I, could, I could care less about that trailer. Yeah. Like, that, that one was just Kenneth Brownell, like That's uh, like a promo before, I got on my Twitter and I was just Yeah. Black and him. White, 1969 Belfast. Uh, that just looks like a passion project type. Uh, but I, like I'll see it, but I, I don't think we'll review it for the podcast. No, I have no desire to ever see it unless it just gets. Well, I want to see it just because Kenneth Branagh is directing, and then there's some interesting names like the Killian Murphy's uh like uh in- love interest in uh that movie, and uh Peaky Blinders is in it. Um, Harvey Bardem's like like stunt double, not stunt double, but like a person that looks like him, that acclaimed actor. It sounds like a bunch of wannabes in a movie. That's what it but sounds like right now. <laughs> I'm still gonna see it. 
But yeah, you're right. The, the interest isn't. As if, if if it's on streaming, I don't know if it's coming in theaters. So streaming, yeah, I might yeah, check it out. yeah, same. That's um, what I mean. Lastly, Joaquin getting a lot of talk heading into award seasons in the fall, starring in another in a, in a A24 movie. Come on, come on, black and white seems to be an emotionally heavy movie about his connection to our, I I would assume is his son, right? Yeah. Reading him a story throughout the trailer, his son looks like he is ill. It looks like he's not doing well. Well, I mean, is there a chance Joaquin goes back to, uh, goes back and gets another trophy? There's a chance, but, you know, the, the Academy, they just won't let that happen. They just wouldn't. Um, but this, I got a lot of uh, Kramer versus Kramer vibes and yeah. uh, watching this. That, like, uh, I, I really did. And, like, Joaquin is one of, if not the best actor alive right now. And like, as in, like, on a hot streak in his prime. So you can't discount it, you know? So, uh, yeah, just this was this emotional. This one snuck under the radar, dude. This snuck under the you radar. Know, look at this trailer roundup. We got all these, like, huge movies and then also just, like, kind of Oscar plays or just uh, highly critically acclaimed, like this one. So, you know, we're getting in that territory. That season, Oscar season, we're getting to October, movie release. Like, we're moving here, folks. We're moving. Man. I like Joaquin, like he snuck this movie in. If he sneaks in an Oscar win after he was announced that he's going to be in an Ari Aster film and he's going to be in Ridley Scott as Napoleon Bonaparte, that would be one of the greatest feats of all time. And we like, how the hell did we not see this coming? Yeah. No, this, this really did snuck up on us. We had, look at all these trailers that came. And then this one just said, oh, we're just going to, A24 is like, oh, we're just going to sneak this one under the radar. Exactly. Man. Any, uh, I guess we can do a thermometer predictor. Come on, come on. <laughs> that's it's tough this trailer was tough it was, it's oh, black man. and white artsy fartsy a24 yeah I'll, I'll just go high even though like i'm not saying like it would be my score 92 um, yeah, i'm going like, 92 yeah i'm gonna go 92 <laughs> like all right just to be different i'll go 93 i'll go 93 yeah, it's just like a it's like a it's ultimate art house film black and white emotionally heavy walking on the screen with a young child who is probably most likely terminally ill it's gonna be a powerhouse performance it's walking yeah commanding the screen so that does it for the checkup. That does it for the trailer roundup. Massive this week. We will now move on to our review of MCU. New film, Phase 4, Shang-Chi. All right, Ricky Flex, we have the first feature film of Phase 4 in the MCU. Shang-Chi is here. Not Shang-Chi. Chi, excuse me. We're talking Shang-Chi. Starring Simu Liu, right? And his first ever marvel feature let's get to the details let's get to the synopsis then we'll go over this explosion of a movie one that has taken over the box office that has made over 90 million dollars in its labor day opening weekend the highest for any movie of all time so rotten tomatoes has it critic score 92 percent fuego Audiences have it at 98%. That is the highest rated superhero film of all time. Most popular among audiences. IMDb has it at 8.0 out of 10. Let's get the Google synopsis before we start discussing. Martial arts master Shang-Chi confronts the past he thought he left behind when he's drawn into the web of the mysterious Ten Rings organization led by his own father, played by Tony Leung. So, uh, Ricky Flex, before we drop and get really deep into this film, what were your expectations heading in, looking at the trailer, looking at the hype on Twitter? How are you feeling? 
so they had the two fight sequence, two of the fight sequences released uh, on Twitter and on social media, and they looked fantastic. So I had high expectations for the fighting sequences. For the movie itself, I didn't have incredibly high expectations. That's not normal. Uh, like I still had high expectations, but to the same extent of a normal Marvel movie, not to the same as like an Iron Man or a core Avenger, but just to a normal Marvel movie, like similar to a Black Widow, I would say. But then when I see these Rotten Tomato scores just flying through the roof, already certified fresh before its opening weekend, th- then I had high expectations for it. Like, that, what else am I going to say? I, then I had higher expectations. Um, and yeah, like, that's, that's kind of how I got, went into the movie. Uh, how about yourself? So it's interesting because I think Black Widow actually took away from this movie a bit because I think Black Widow was kind of a deflating start to the MCU uh, in terms of phase four. I mean, that was the first feature film, I guess, of phase four, not Shang-Chi, yeah. but Shang-Chi kind of exploded, right? Both in terms of my opinion and public opinion that it really feels like, okay, now we're going right now. We've moved past Black Widow. We've moved past these Disney Plus series, although they're going to keep on coming. Marvel What If dropped today. I still have to catch up with that. We got the Avengers as oh. zombies. Man, I wish I watched that before so we could have talked about it on this episode. But as I guess the hype train started to build, it, it really just felt like uh, almost like a phase one movie because we were almost back to that origin, that less connectivity to the MCU. So I wasn't too pumped about it yes we're getting wong in the trailer yes we have a throwback to abomination but we have a re- relatively we have a really yeah what that is wild we're gonna get to that but we have a relatively unknown actor so this is where it feels like phase one like chris hemsworth stepping in as thor right not a well-known actor all right you have loki uh played by tom hiddleston relatively unknown chris evans is mainly known as a as a basically a pretty boy before he takes on Captain America. Simu Liu is known as this Canadian actor who's best known for Kim's Convenience, a comedy show. What the heck is he doing playing a Bruce Lee-esque type of or role? Or a stock image. Yes, or a stock image guy. Those, those pictures were unreal. He was, he was destined for stardom once I saw those. <laughs> um, so I guess, Ricky Flex, where I want to go, I think where this movie really pops is the action sequences, the style of this movie. It's really a throwback to a lot of different Kung Fu movies. I was getting personally a lot of Jackie Chan vibes. What uh, were you, I guess, what did you think of the fight sequences and did you have a favorite? They were, they were fantastic. They were some of the best fight sequences, not just in superhero history, but in just film history, I thought. I wow. really, that's a statement, I know. Rookie. And the best one that really showcased it was the first one on the bus. The first one on the bus was by far and away the best one. And a detractor I have for this movie is the CGI fighting. The CGI fighting took away from the point of the movie. I thought in my, in my eyes, like I was just like, what are we doing? Like we should be focusing on the origin of this character. We shouldn't mm-hmm. be having these CGI battles of dragons and whatever. Spoiler, spoiler but not really. Um, but the fighting sequences were fantastic. The, another gripe I have with them though, I wish they didn't release them beforehand. <laughs> like yeah. i wish we just like saw it on the big screen for the first time because again this wasn't on disney plus so the only way you would see this movie is in theaters imagine seeing those fight sequences for the first time in theaters that would be that would have been awesome but yeah still, so it was great to see that comes with the mcu hype machine when these trailers come out any mcu trailer comes out the whole twitter sphere explodes the whole fan verse explodes but i thought those 
even though we knew they were coming, they still blew my mind. Even with Aquafina driving the bus like against those cars, it still had those comedic yep. moments. And then it also just had unbelievable like hand-to-hand combat. It really did feel like I was watching like Jackie Chan in his prime. Like Simu Liu <laughs> looks like he is going to be with, like established in this MCU in the future, especially by the post-credit scenes that we're going to get to eventually. But I couldn't agree more. Him after he meets his sister, right, fighting alongside the building with the glass shattering. Uh, I thought there was parts of it you're like, damn, that's like pretty unrealistic. And so was the well, bus scene, obviously. Yeah, but that that comes with like a kung fu movie. Like it's not realistic. So that I think they played, they leaned it into it really I, well. I agree. In ter- in terms of the CGI, I think we should wait until like a little bit towards the end because that is the finishing of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll, well, I'll and like, also the ten rings, like you know. Yeah, dude, that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, uh, there were some intense moments there. The final fought, the fight with uh, Tony Leung, but also when he's uh, fighting uh, his aunt, uh, who's played by uh, oh Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh. Those even those fight sequences I enjoyed, right? And they almost mm-hmm. brought up those mystic abilities in the MCU, something we really haven't seen. I guess you can kind of qualify the Infinity Stones as those, but it yes. really had that yes. like kung fu vibe to it, and I just really enjoyed it. So I want to ask you. Oh, sorry, were you gonna? What was shocking? So for me, like if the, the director uh, David Cretton, like he has never done a CGI or action movie before. Like this is the man that directed Just Mercy, like one of the saddest, mm-hmm. like things i've seen in the past Wild. couple of years like he's never done a movie like this so the ability and the action sequences the way they were shot and the direction and organization around them was so impressive and I, I was just shocked that this person like i found out after the fact i didn't know he didn't do it he had no prior action experience and that this was his first go at it and he and obviously you have the marvel uh marvel backbone behind it so that helps but still like very exactly. impressed with it so it's kind of interesting because this director is known for small screen like adaptions or small yes. screen projects, but you have a writer for this movie who has written Wonder Woman 1984, who has written oh. Godzilla, and he's written is like he's known for these big movies. So what this movie I think did well, it had those smaller sequences, especially in terms of the action, where you had like it felt like it wasn't this like god level movie at some points right it's just shang chi taking on a couple of guys has that kung fu vibe but then you have the writing of a large-scale director it almost was a happy medium that was pretty perfect it was like it's pretty spot on I, I i agree with that because it's this movie besides the actual action action sequences the whole origin of shang chi i would say is probably the most out of all the superhero origins uh in the marvel universe that we've seen over the past 20 years this is the most grounded, like the like family oriented mm-hmm. uh, depth origin story. Yeah, there's a lot of depth to it, and it's, when it comes to family, there's obviously going to be that. And they really dug deep with that, and having this director with that experience, that drama experience, really helped with that. And then they could balance that out by not have not diving too deep with that, with the big action sequences, with the CGI, with the writer that, like you said, was on Godzilla, uh, the Godzilla movie, one over nineteen eighty four. Yikes. Um, and yeah, so it's a good balance there. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, so I guess I want to where I want to go next is I brought up when we were talking about the expectations for the film. It looked like a phase one MCU movie to me as we were watching the trailers, the looser connectivity to the universe. Yes, we had the connections to Wong and Abomination, but this is coming in phase four. Right. So did you like the aspect that it looked that it was basically Shang-Chi on his own adventure? Or do you think like MCU fans are uh, or even yourself were a bit disappointed? 
disappointed it didn't have maybe that more exciting cameo or that post-credit scene that connects to a larger hero or some sort. Were you okay with Shang-Chi like basically having his own uh, stage here to, to uh, perform on? So I love his own stage during the movie. I think that's the way to go. Like make sure the character can develop on its own, see how it does, because then you could, you could see how does this character relate to your plans in the future? Is this person really going to hit or with the audiences or bust? And I think Shang-Chi really hit, which is a great, which is great. But the post credit scene was, I'm like, we're in non-spoiler territory right now mm-hmm. was like, I hated it. Hated both of them. Wow. I, I thought they were trash. I really would, because do you want something to look forward to? And like, it does give you that, but not really compared sort to the of. past course post-credit scenes. Like it doesn't really answer any questions. It doesn't open any questions. You kind of already knew the, what they showed us. So, and then the second one you didn't know, but it was like, okay, whatever, like non-core doesn't matter. So the whole point of a post-credit scene, post-credit scene is that's what you want to leave the theater talking about. Like, oh my God, I'm so excited to see this a part of this, or this, this, how, the, how this movie is going to connect with the Avengers or something like that. And like this one just kind of fell flat for me. But again, it's just a post credit scene. It doesn't affect my score or anything related to the movie. Yeah, I'm going to save my thoughts for the post credit till we get to the spoiler section because I definitely have some thoughts there and I have some fun questions for us to get into. But where I want to go next, I, I think this movie, if I drew comparisons to another in the MCU, I think a natural one would be Black Panther. Uh, why do I say yes. that? The uh, cultural representation, right? You had uh, Black Panther showing uh, Black culture, right? Really leaning into it. And this one really leaned into Asian culture, customs, and it, it took pride in it. And I think that really shows like the scale of the MCU, how wide it has become and how it's like all these different types of people coming together. I think it's setting up a huge type of maybe like they talked about secret wars as a potential like uh, MCU movie coming together. We're going to see like an assembly eventually of all these vast characters that were already established in phase one, two, and three. And now we're building into phase four. It could be something special. And like, I just want to get your thoughts on how do you think they did in terms of cultural representation, in this movie, and is it as good as what I'm kind of uh, like spelling it out to be? I, I think you're uh, dead on. I think that the parallels to Black Panther are pretty apparent. Obviously, uh, different cultures, but father-son relationship, this one's a little different, but still, like, it has their differences that they uh, combat with. You have the brother-sister relationship, uh, n- obviously not the same, but still, it still has the same family depth that we talked family about earlier. Huge. And I would say the Wakanda relationships and that parallel with the, the, uh, what, like, the home, their home. Like that home and the toxic environment around it, kind of not really toxic, but you're enclosed that you're kept captive around the border. And this one, you're kept captive in this comp- um, complex. Like it's kind of like a prison to the, to the, to the siblings. So I would, I definitely agree with the parallels in the Asian culture. I completely agree. It's just, it's still mind boggling how this movie won't be shown in China, at least not in the near future. I know what a um, crime. That's a it's, crime, dude. And it's not even related to the movie. It's related to the origins uh, right. back in like the 70s and 80s. Like it's absolutely, and it's not even related to the main character. Yeah, Mandarin. Mandarin has some uh, stere- uh, some uh, racist views in the comics that they yeah. didn't, uh, that, that I, it was the Chinese government, it's, like don't want uh, even associate, they don't want to be associated with. So therefore they don't want to release Shang-Chi. Yeah, it's like the few Manchu um, uh, that was released. And they thought that it was like obviously derogatory towards Asian culture, which 
Uh, it's not my place to say. Um, but Kevin Feige was so pissed. He yeah, was, I don't blame him. That's how how much money of an MCU movie goes like comes from China. And Shang Chi would have it would have destroyed the box office. So would've, hopefully they can release that not just for the numbers but for the Asian community. That would be fantastic because they then, would love this more than anybody. This right. really like this played it, homage to that. Yeah, and like even like they paid homage to, like even old school movies. Like I would yes, say, like uh, you Asian said. movies, like even Kung Fu Hustle, where it's like it has because like this does this balances like a good amount of comedy with the action. You know, it felt yeah. like almost like like I, I don't want to say Rush Hour, but like Kung Fu Hustle. I think yeah, is a great but comparison. I, I think that's a good comparison. You could see uh, when he in his room, he had in both rooms when he was a kid, and also I think or just when he was older in San Francisco, he had uh, like Warriors. And Kung Fu Hustle posters on his I wall, saw that. and mm-hmm. a few others. So it was kind of paying homage there as well. I bet some Easter egg Twitter sites will start churning those out now. That the movie's been out almost a week, so yeah, it definitely tried to pay homage. And it's just crazy how it's not in China, not out in China, and not going to be in the near future. It did. Um, speaking of like, uh, speaking of, I guess, like pop culture right now, we're talking about a Marvel movie. Did you see uh, that theory on Twitter that Little Nas X survived the snap in uh, Avengers in Avengers Endgame, Avengers sense. Infinity War? Makes sense. Unless he made it uh, like in the Marvel universe, he made it just after. Because they're singing the Old Town Road in 2019, which it came out in 2019. Therefore, he survived the snap, and so now I think it went super viral on Reddit and then also on Twitter. Right. It's just a it's a nice little. Uh, I guess that's MCU fans just like going full hardo on us. Um, As always, when do they not? Or we. So we talked about the hand to hand combat. Let's go on to the CGI aspect of this movie because I think the third act, it what I really didn't like about it is because like it felt like a phase one MCU movie because of the ending primarily. So we have like this unique kung fu style hand to hand combat, super choreographed fighting sequences, and how does it all end by a dragon fighting a dragon, right? But I must say, this movie in terms of the CGI. I think it looked beautiful. Like, even though it's not how we want the movie to end necessarily after what it's built up to, I really think they did a great job with it. And especially in that world, right, where they go to um, Shang-Chi's aunt's basically compound, basically uh, her with her warriors, right, where his mother is supposedly like behind the wall and everything. I thought like the different types of animals, they were creative. It almost had that Wakanda vibe where it built like a special environment or community or a strong knit one that you were talking about before. So what do you think about the CGI in this film, Flex? Well, uh, just to go off what you just said, like in, in that community is, again, what we were just talking about, like the Asian culture, like that with all the dragons and the lions and everything, they just, that also paid homage there as well. Uh, but the CGI, like, Again, it wasn't like bad CGI. It uh, wasn't the best, but it wasn't terrible. But it's just went against what the whole movie was, really. It was all about hand-to-hand combat. And it was all about this human aspect to it. And then we just get a huge CGI fight fest at the end. I just thought it went against what the whole movie, like it's like what it was doing the entire time. And again, it's kind of like the MCU's pattern with origin movies especially. But uh, I just didn't like that at all. But Hey, like I still enjoyed the action sequences and it wasn't terrible CGI, so I won't dock it too much, but I really didn't like it. It's exactly what Deadpool 2 like made fun of, where it's like big CGI fight yes. coming up. 
It's like yes. that's what I literally felt like when I saw the dragons. I'm like, big CGI fight, let's go. It, it felt like at the end of every MCU film. It's but ridiculous. Going, I also just uh, we brought up Tony Leung, a powerful performance. I think he's a great addition to the Marvel villain uh, group. I would say I think he's more of a top tier villain, more with a uh, an understandable motive. Like going along the lines of a Killmonger or Thanos, I think I think uh, Tony Leung also has like a commanding presence on screen. So uh, I want to go into like the supporting cast here because I think we talked about Leung a good a good amount. He's also mm-hmm. a very famous Asian actor, that one that has gravitas. And you're talking about like China not being able to see this movie. Like Tony Leung is not going to be able to be seen by the Chinese community. That's a, that's a and travesty. That's, and like him and Hong Kong and Chinese community, like he's Huge. that's where most of his work is and relatively not independent but like smaller films so yeah i guess independent but a lot of his films are smaller in nature and not as widely regarded or not as widely seen here and uh, with tony leon in the i'm sure you've seen the interviews that they were doing him simu uh and aquafina and everyone else was doing for this press tour trying to get people to see this movie and simu was like in awe of him he, he was always putting him in the same aspect and probably is as like brad pitt and like all the best actors he literally said brad pitt as like one of the people uh as in like oh i look at him the same as like a brad people look at brad pitt he's a hero. so yeah exactly so he's a huge actor but people in america might not know him as well but what do you do you have aquafina on the screen you have michelle yo on the screen and a lot of crazy rich asians are in yeah, this movie we're gonna get so, into them this huge asian cast similar to black panther with the, the black but mainly black cast this one all asian cast with but all but with a lot of familiar faces so it, it really capitalized off of the crazy rich asians but also separated itself as well and he had those familiar faces to connect with american audiences where this movie isn't seen in china right now in hong kong literally i would say there was at least four crazy rich asian, asian characters in this film and i think they yeah. were all um decent additions i i, I kind of want to go into aquafina because she historically on this podcast does not have a fantastic reputation or a stellar reputation um i think personally i didn't mind her acting in this movie however i didn't like the fact that she's basically shang chi's sidekick uh i I know that they have a strong connection but i thought she had no business being with him that entire the entire way of the movie let alone like at the end of the movie in the post credit scene are we setting an expectation that aquafina is going to be with shang chi by his side every time he's fighting in a movie you know i thought that was kind of ridiculous i don't agree with you more it made no sense i thought so i am an aquafina not hater but just i in crazy rich asians i didn't love her in it. I, i've said it before in the rom-com top billing, just i think she's a little much and I thought in this movie, I thought she was almost like on point, almost yeah, still a little so. sometimes, but like, just because I thought that the relationship and chemistry between the two of them were very good. And Great. I thought that helped uh, her case at, for not like playing it over the top, even though sometimes she did, but I'll, put, I'll bypass that. But moving on, I do, I do agree with you. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Why just have the sidekick, like not be a sidekick and just be like her best friend, his best friend. Like, like he why does she that, have like, to be fighting? Why does she have to do this? It made no sense. It's like having Ned Leeds with Spider-Man. Like, he's not next to him while he's fighting the entire time. Yeah, and like, he's going to reunite with him, and then, like, they're going to like they're gonna show a moment of affection. Or, like, even with Mary Jane. It's like you, you, you don't have them fighting. I thought, like, her ending and uh, having a big part – I won't do a full spoiler – having a big part in the demise of 
the quote unquote villain of this movie or the dragon. I was like, this is so unlikely. And I know it's a Marvel movie, but and I was trying to tie in it, like how she hasn't done anything with her honors degree or whatever, but yeah, it's like, it's like it's still, you can't, that's a, aim. That's it's like you can't aim for whatever you have to really aim in order to achieve. Yeah, and things like we that. are like, literal and stretching it way too literal. Um, and I, I, I thought Marvel. it was also a little much where like, they're valet drivers and they really put their tests, the, they were put to the test with their valet skills. Like, for example, Aquafina driving the bus. I'm like, okay, like, like what they do is not that special. She yeah. cannot drive a bus anywhere she wants to because she can drive a Mercedes down the street. And, and that makes uh, no sense. Hey, Dr. O, it was a BMW. And if you haven't seen, BMW had to pay money to like have oh, their, yeah. like, because they had that, they had that, and then I ate. Uh, later down, uh, when she was driving the bus, they had I ate like a nice sports car right there, ready for her to trample over. So BMW had to pay for those two because they were a parent. I felt like I was watching a cable TV show on CBS, like a whole yeah. five O. How they always had the Chevys always shown on the screen. Like they really wanted to show the camera work with the Chevy and the Camaro or whatever they were driving. I, I felt I the hate same when thing. Do that, dude. I uh, what's it called Black Panther did the same thing. I forgot what car that was too. Remember that scene where they leave the yes. casino. Yeah, that was like right put, in your face. And like Iron Man does it with Audi. Yeah, it's just like be a little more discreet about it. A little yeah. more discreet. Like what we don't have to. We're making you're making millions off the box office. We do. We really need the extra couple million to showcase a BMW. And then speaking of like characters that are actors that I that don't have a great reputation on this podcast, let's go into <laughs> Sir Ben Kingsley making an appearance in this film, and not just a cameo. This is not a spoiler. Like Ben Kingsley as Trevor, the actor who faked being the Mandarin in Iron Man 3, has a substantial role in this movie. And I almost have, this, have similar thoughts to him as you do for Aquafina in terms of at first when I heard he was in this movie, I, threw my, I almost threw my computer across the room. I was like, I do not want to be reminded of the travesty of like having a fake Mandarin in Iron Man 3. Arguably, it is Iron Man's greatest foe. And it was a fake. Like, I thought that was mm. the biggest BS of all time. But in terms of this type of movie, right, comedic relief to kind of weigh, uh, take some weight off all the kung fu action, I thought he was pretty decent, man. Like, he was a funny actor. Hey, he was a funny actor, man. Hey, like, I agree with you. But I thought, it's, like, it's Ben Kingsley. Like, he's probably the best actor in this movie. Like, as in yeah. oh, just yeah. pure actor. He's the best. Yeah, prestige, the Oscar, whatever. But... Gandhi. No matter how good he was in this, which I do think he was good, like shockingly, and it made sense. It actually made sense for him to be in it, and he wasn't in the fighting sequences, which is perfect. Aquafina right. take notes, not her, but writers. But I still couldn't stop thinking how mad I was about Iron Man three. Every time I saw him, I couldn't get it out of my mind. I couldn't do it, Doctor O. He I, was arguably the best comic relief in the movie, though. I'd say. I, I think he. Was. I think he's hands down was mm-hmm. him and the animal. Yeah, that was that was great. It uh, was when, they were so good. Like the the crowd the crowd was literally roaring after that was the, after he faked his death. And no, those, like, easily the biggest laughs. Easily. easily, easily. So as we go on right now, Ricky Flex, I want to um, I kind of want to see where this compares to other origin movies in the MCU. Our top billing draft today will be on superhero origin movies. In terms of the MCU, though, I guess we think mainly Phase 1, a couple Phase 2, and Phase 3 movies. Where do you think this ranks in the pantheon of those origin films? I would say the low end of the first tier. Low end? Uh, Like, yeah, how many have there been? 
like, so, it, so like Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Doctor Strange, yeah, Captain Marvel, Black Widow. Do I you guess, count that? Sp- not Spider Man Homecoming. That wouldn't count. No, it doesn't count. Um, uh, I guess I guess it's lower tier, man. I would I was gonna yeah, put a smack like, dab in the middle. Like it's better than Captain Marvel. Like Black Widow, if you want to count that, it sort of is an origin story. It's better yeah. than Cap. It's better lower than Black tier, Widow, my opinion. Lower first tier. Like I guess so smack dab in the middle since there's not that many. But yeah, like I think there's a couple that are obvious. I don't want to tease picks for later, but I think there's a I couple know. obvious ones that um audience you could probably think of what I'm thinking here. But uh it was good, but I, I do have my faults with it, and I don't want to say anything else until we get the spoilers. I think like, isn't related to that. I think it's time to throw out some scores, and then so we can get to those spoilers, and we can and we can get to those post credit scenes. So, Ricky Flicks, what did you give Shang Chi? I gave it seventy three. Wow. Yeah, seventy three from Ricky Flicks. So, uh, so your biggest attractor being the CGI and like I guess the outrageousness of some of the of the story a little bit, you know, we're, we're, uh, like, what's because so by the without, way you were talking, I was, I'm kind of shocked by that. I know uh, we haven't gotten to it. Cause I didn't want to do any spoilers. Cause I have a, I have a story from inside the theater about it. Um, but there's a, there are some lulls in this movie. There are lulls in this movie, like <laughs> some big ones, like 20 I, minute stretches. I need, a, I need bad. to admit something. I need to admit something to the Do- audience. Doctor. I have to admit something as well, but you go first. So I was coming off a long weekend where I went to a music festival on Saturday, Sunday, I went to a wedding and then I saw it the next day at two o'clock on Labor Day, Monday, that Labor Day. Uh, I did fall asleep for about 10 minutes of the movie. And I, I don't know whether it was due to my tiredness or it was the lack of action. Maybe when they went to go see Shang-Chi's aunt. Cause I think there were some low po- moments, especially D- at that doctor, time. doctor, at that time, I was wide awake before that time. I was starting to fall asleep. Wow. When wow. they got the toe low or whatever you have pronounced the yeah. aunts, I was, to, I, I, I was real, I really had to struggle to stay awake. It was bad, doctor. Wow. I was really struggling maybe, to stay awake. Maybe it wasn't me. Maybe it, it wasn't me. I'm doctor. Cause so doctor, you told me this. After you saw the movie, you like texted me like I I I couldn't like I was struggling, and yeah. I said, dude, like you're just tired. Like, it's impacting my score now. And, I'm thinking about it. And then I saw the movie the next day. Uh, like it was at night, but it wasn't crazy. Like it wasn't like ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, whatever at night. And it was at that time, and I'm like, I'm so engaged from all this action sequences, and I'm wondering what's gonna happen. But that time was so slow. I was just Damn, falling asleep. I think I think that. So and I, I was, never fall asleep in movies. So I don't how bad a movie is. So after so I was on the border, whether it's this hit in the 80s or the 70s, I think after hearing you almost had the same experience as me. And I also did not like how the, how the fight ended. I didn't like how Aquafina was such a major part of it. But I don't think like she had any business being there. Man, I, I guess I'm going to go with 79. I'm gonna go with 79. That was that. I that I was I was. I didn't mean to 80. convince you. I, no, I was, no, I just, but I was just like maybe it wasn't me. I thought for maybe I thought I was just zonked and I was just tired and I couldn't handle it. But I think that that was a low point. That was a low, po- low and point. And the first 20 minutes of this film, before right up to the bus scene, I thought it was bad. I thought it was bad. I was getting nervous for a second, but I was like, just hang on, hang in there, hang in there. It was the bad. Build up wasn't that good. It was really bad, but. Yeah. I think it was just like, I don't know, movie jitters. 
the movie jitters. Yeah, it's like, but it's also like MCU, like, like right. and honestly, like, like the fact that there was also some unbelievability in terms of like when he got to the U.S. and everything. Oh god, and yeah. like, and and like, he, like she doesn't know where he came from. She doesn't know anything about him. I found that to be very strange. Yeah, you know, each other for six years and, and or whatever. Just the job as a valet, I thought was so weird. Yeah. I thought that was so weird. I thought I was watching Key and Peele when they're valets. And what, what's that line? From the, was that Liam Liam Neeson? Taken two. Took and two. Took and took and took and two. That's a Liam Neeson's. Liam Neeson's. <laughs> that's, a, that's what I kept thinking of when I saw them, like the two of them sit, standing together. So yeah, we got yeah. 73 from Ricky Flex, 79 from Dr. O. We are now going to move on to our spoiler section, primarily to go over the post credit scenes. All right, Ricky Flex. Post credit. I think. This is necessary to talk about. I feel like there's not many spoilers in the movie I really care about. Uh, we could talk about Wong a little bit. I thought, I guess we can start there. I thought Wong, I like Wong in Doctor Strange. I like him in his other cameos. Here, he's a little slapstick. He's a little too slapstick for yeah. me. Besides, besides the karaoke, I agree with you. Yeah. We're, I, but, the karaoke match because they did it earlier. And I think a, that match, but everything else... I agree. Little slapstick, but he was a little like I. It just doesn't fit the vibe he has set in as, as a character in other movies. It almost like has like the tone of like Thor and Thor Ragnarok all of a sudden being a comedic guy, but at the same time Wong, I didn't. He didn't need to change. Like he was always like he was throwing out like subtle shots and funny jabs before that. You know, he like he was just a different. Uh, it felt like a different type of character. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, so did you enjoy Wong in this movie and what he brought to the table? I, I agree with you. I thought the abomination fight scene was good, very short, but good. And you knew that. That and was the, cool. And then the locker room scene was obviously the slapstick, one of the slapsticks you were referring to. But you knew that that wasn't going to be the last time you see him because he's such a fan favorite, Wong is, that yeah. you knew that he, that couldn't have just been it. You knew he was coming back at some point, whether it was to help them fight, which is highly doubtful, but that or a post-credit scene. So you knew it was coming back, um, but I, I agree with you on Wong. It'd be interesting if we did like an MCU draft of non-Avengers, or like non-major characters, and Wong yeah. is up there. He's a fan favorite for sure. That's a great point. But I think we should now move on to the post-credit scene where Wong approaches Simu Liu, Shang-Chi, and Aquafina, uh, and they, he takes them uh, through one of the portals that Doctor Strange famously famously forms, and he brings them to a face-to-face meeting with Brie Larson as Captain Marvel and a very aged-looking Bruce Banner. And a broken arm. With a broken arm, presumably from the snap that he committed in Avengers Endgame. And he also, noticeably, is not green. He's not Professor Hulk. He's back to being regular right. Bruce Right. That Banner. was the biggest takeaway. So that's going to be interesting because I guess Mark Ruffalo – like, what's his standing for the rest of the MCU? Yes, he's going to be in She-Hulk, but are we going to be see? Are we going to see him as like a mentor role, similar to like maybe an assistant, like to Nick Fury in the future of the MCU? Will he ever be Hulk again? I think so. You, can, I don't think you could have Bruce Banner and just never be Hulk again. You're just going to keep using him in like a Nick Fury type role as like a consultant or advisor. Mm-hmm. I think that's just I, I don't know. Mark Ruffalo has come out and said that he is willing to do Hulk. And he's like doing all these different drama projects at HBO show. Like he's done so oh, many things. We need a Hulk movie. We like, need a Hulk we movie. A, we still have another Hulk Mark Ruffalo movie. Like we, we just Hulk had Abomination. 
like in this movie, like I'm if they do a She-Hulk movie before a Hulk movie, we're gonna have some problems. You, why like, can't why can't Marvel make a deal with Universal a la Marvel with Sony? Why can't they get a deal done to make a Hulk? Or movie? are they just not trying? Because they don't I I I don't know. I haven't heard it, anything, but I it just it's very odd. It's, it's been lucrative for Sony for Spider-Man, like like Universal. Very, if they had a Marvel very. movie in connect, like connection with the MCU, that would be mm-hmm. incredible. And like Mark Ruffalo is such a fan favorite actor, and not just in the Hulk is a fan favorite character. Putting those together would be magic. But, but it was interesting to see him in the post credit. It was kind of uh, unexpected. Even right. I, I guess maybe because you had Abomination. Right. You know? So that's that was gonna be my last thing on that is that. Abomination is this movie, and they didn't just pick a random throwback character. They know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Abomination is going to be in another, either in She-Hulk or in a possible Hulk movie or a She-Hulk movie. I think so, he's confirmed to be in She-Hulk. Abomination? Oh, so yeah. there's a little intro? Okay. And by the way, so dumb. Like, what, Tim Roth? He's not, like, he's I don't not, remember he, him being that dumb and incredible Hulk. No, it, it was a totally almost different character. Yeah, it was like, it's like they just threw that out and just did a new Abomination. Yeah. And then like, what do you think of like Brie? So like, first of all, I think we need to tell the audience and like kind of explain what was happening there. So with Shang-Chi, when he had the 10 rings and he, uh, he gained them from his father after his father passed away, Tony Leung and passed them on to him. There was like a burst that they sensed that they detected, meaning Mark Ruffalo and Brie Larson. And they are, I think, uh, pointing at the potential for this com- this burst like coming from another dimension. I think it's trying to bring together some type of multiverse aspect, something that has yes. dominated Loki, something that has, that's been hinted at in WandaVision, and something that has totally been exposed in Spider-Man uh, No <laughs> Way Home. I think it's kind of like trying to like pull you towards this grander scale, this grander movie that will eventually come right in the mcu what do you think about that theory i like it but i just don't think they upped it enough they they didn't give us enough or they didn't like they just didn't do enough to make me excited because it kind you kind of got that sense throughout the movie already with these 10 rings and the way it ended just shang chi says oh so like where is it from and brie larson's like literally the next line was Oh, I got to go. Oh, so this isn't the most important thing on your docket. Something else is more important than maybe the end of the universe. What are we talking about? I hate how they does, does that. I'm telling you. It's not the Ms. first Marvel, time she's done that either. Like Miss Marvel, we have an issue already. Like, the Marvels. The Marvels. Uh, Marvels. Whatever. We have an issue. And Mark Ruffalo just saying, oh, yeah, I got to go too. Disappointed with Bruce Banner. Disappointed. Like, this seems like it's a pretty important thing, especially by the fact Simu Leo just saved the world. Shang-Chi. Um, I guess also what I wanted to bring up, you had those two characters, one that was a core member of the first Avengers, or another one that like supposedly going to be a primary member of the Avengers or whatever group they assemble moving forward. What in five years do you think a um, Avengers team will look like? In the so MCU? I had that same question I was going to ask you because now like, Simon Leo, like, obviously you mentioned, like, he was in that Canadian uh, comedy series, and I mentioned he's Canadians. in the stock images. So that's, he is Shang-Chi now. Like, this is his thing. Like, yeah. he'll, like he will probably be Shang-Chi for as long as it runs, right? Is he going to be a, a leader on the Avengers? Probably not, because no. he's not a core comic book character from Marvel, right? Is he going to be a side character? Is he going to be a core Avenger, where he's, like, one of the five? The Ten Rings probably makes it likely, 
the powerful well, character. Now. And if you think of the other origin movies coming out, Blade, Blade is a solo show. That yeah. is, he is not Avenger. I don't know how, what they're going to do with that. If they just do a separate trilogy, that would be. I, I'm honestly more on board with a separate trilogy with Marshall Ali doing like a Dark Knight thing. He doesn't really I would fit. Love that. He doesn't really he just, fit with these other Blade, characters. Do, Blade does not. Blade does not fit. By the way, Blade, a teaser for later. But maybe with a Moon Knight. Moon Knight, that's good. But uh, yeah, I just really don't know. I think we'll learn more after Spider-Man and Doctor Strange with the multiverse, and that's going to open up the Ten Rings uh, backstory that we have no idea what's going on uh, now. But I could see him teaming up with like a Spider-Man or a Doctor Strange. You heard multiverse of madness. Yeah, like he could appear in that. Uh, you heard in the interview press uh, tour that Simon Leo was doing how he got asked the question, who would win in a fight, Spider-Man or him? So maybe they team up for something. So maybe not necessarily an Avenger movie to start, but first a team up, maybe like a Civil War aspect or something like that. Right. Almost like what we were hinting at with Quantumania, right? Once again, hinting at the multiverse. Maybe with um, the new Captain America. Boom. Just like that. So I guess like a new avengers team first of all you're gonna have a captain america at the center of it anthony mackie would be involved no no doubt after the popularity of this movie let alone in a pandemic where the box offices have not been succeeding you saw like what venom venom let there be carnage did they moved their date up after seeing what the damage shang chi did at the box office even though i don't think it's going to do those same numbers uh shang chi will be in that core i think i think like they have done they have kind of the 10 rings yeah yeah he will be in there Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, I would assume would be a part Wanda. of Wanda. Except we don't know what Wanda, like how she's like going to react after the end of WandaVision. And no yes, more Vision. She so wasn't necessarily a hero, brief. right, during WandaVision. And she's not necessarily all redeemed after, WandaV- yes. after WandaVision. Like, is, will she potentially be a dark, maybe villain-esque character in the yeah. multiverse of madness? We can't rule that out either, man. That yeah. would be fascinating I, to see I just, her and Doctor Strange go toe-to-toe. Yeah, that would be crazy. I just really think that Marvel might just do t- team ups for right now because, mm-hmm. like, we ha- how many group movies do we have going? We got Eternals next month. We got uh, the X Men. They're going to do an X Men project. Julia Louis Dreyfus and her, char- and her got, characters. You've been recruiting, and they got Fantastic Four. John Watts. They yeah. have a lot of team movies coming out, so they're not going to do an Avengers movies for a, uh, Avengers movie for a while. So maybe they just do these team ups, like uh, it's the Doctor Strange, Spider Man, and No Way Home. They have that one coming out, Multi- the Multiverse of Madness. Wanda's got to be in that. So Wanda, Doctor Strange at the minimum in that one. So maybe they just do these like partnerships until like 10 years down the road, they do an Avengers movie again. Because I'm still thinking Infinity War, Endgame, like that was like a short time ago. We don't need an Avengers movie right now, like a big one. Right. We can wait we a long time. Ago. And we we're going to, yeah, and we're going to get I, a lot I, of these group movies coming out, team movies coming out already. Right. And like, I guess these team movies that you're talking about, I guess they might be even seen in a show like uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus' character with John Walker and Yelena Belova already been, ha- having already been recruited, Fantastic right. Four, X-Men, yada, yada, yada. Recently, the Russo brothers were approached by Marvel to do another movie. And what yeah. movie had they been desired, uh, like on public note, had they desi- had a desire to do is Secret Wars. Like imagine ten years from now, the Warner, the Russo brothers return to make a Secret Wars movie. They could all the gray, of these teams. The, the Gray Man franchise would be dead by then. Like they're only going to do two or three movies, and that's it. Because Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans aren't just going to be a part of a it's franchise up. again, or at least Chris Evans won't. So it just makes sense. 
it, it like i don't even know what the it's way down the line you have no idea this is like probably going to happen the secret wars movie would happen probably after like this multiverse era of the mcu is done because like you have kane the conqueror yeah. who looks like he's going to be some type of if not the big bad in the mcu uh so i don't know if like who the eternals are going to introduce will galactus be introduced with the fantastic four but right now Kang the Conqueror Doctor Doom. is such a sizable character that needs to be addressed. Uh, and yeah, I wonder, yeah, yeah. I, I guess quantum media could be that's like, going to be the demise of that character, but that's why I'm, I'm saying this could be the next, wow. this could be the next civil war. Like this is the next civil war. Yeah. It could, the quantum mania might end this multiverse era, I guess in the MCU. Right. You think that early. I know. Cause like we're having Spider-Man. There's so many out. stories you could do in the multiverse. Uh, yeah but like who else money would, out there they can what make. else would they do like that miles morales i guess maybe they could do a lot they could, they could just bring back characters too yeah but like who would they bring back who chris evans be- captain america he's been rumored to oh, come back remember oh, that okay, you could do saying. that get Hope. back is the mcu yeah you can go backwards or you can just Play like a miles morales you could do that different iterations of a character there and like there's so many different things in the comics where you have different like elements and different types of Spider-Man and different everything. Like you can do a lot of different things. I, they will not close this door. That do soon, you think, think? Do you? They have those the Marvel What If show, the animated series going on right now. Right. Do you think they if a story hits hard enough, it might get a live action adaption? With I I when I uh with What If I said like I think it's gonna like connect somehow. Like I I just did. Do you think maybe like, like so you say multi- like. like like after this episode, you're like, wow, like uh, uh, Captain Carter was so electric. Let's let's bring her in for one of the movies. And all of a sudden she's in the, from the multiverse. She's being brought in. Maybe yeah, you like, have, why like, not? Maybe like, like, do- like a like a doctor, like evil Doctor Strange from episode four of What If? Just yeah, come out of nowhere. People, audience have seen episode five of What If? You'll understand this. That, like episode five is clearly a different dimension than a, another ep- Like it, in these first five episodes, it's not the same dimension. They're all different right. dimensions here. So it is like very interesting. They could bring a character from that and just do a movie from it. Wow. Like you just said, like I, like I, I bet can't rule it out. Will. Yeah. You just can't. Can't rule it out. Ricky flex. So the Ricky flex that, that does it for our Shang-Chi review an electric review. Can't wait for the next Marvel project to drop, which is Spider-Man. No way home. Wait, Eternals. Oh shoot. You're right. Eternals. Next Spider-Man. No way home. And that's just, uh, and, well, uh, well, yes, me, potentially MCU, probably not, but potentially MCU. You know my theory. Okay, so that does it for our review of Shang-Chi. Let's ne- uh, so next week we have The Card Counter starring Oscar Isaac, Tiffany Haddish, and Willem Dafoe, which stands at a 97% and Kagan. right now on Rotten Tomatoes. What was that, Ricky Flex? And Kagan. And Barry Kagan. No, you're Barry your Kagan. boy. Yeah, yeah you're my boy. boy. Yeah, Barry Kagan. So that's going to be an electric review. It's coming out on Netflix. Make sure you watch it before we review it next week. We're, we're now going to move on to our top billing draft of the greatest superhero origin films. All right, Flix, flip the coin, the top billing draft of superhero origin movies. All right, for the YouTube. Heads. Tails, Gettysburg. Pretty With cool Azalean. And it's up. Heads. It's heads. Last number one pick. Give me the number one pick. All right, I'll take the wraparound. 
All right, Ricky Flicks, ready to roll? Let's do it. So me and Ricky Flicks off recording. We both said we might have a surprising number one pick. I have one that is so damn rewatchable. You'll see it on Netflix all the time. It's now trans- transferred over to HBO Max. You might think I was going a Marvel movie. I'm not going a Marvel movie. I'm going the first installment of the greatest superhero trilogy of all time. My favorite superhero origin movie is Batman Begins from Christopher Nolan, starring Christian Bale, starring Liam Neeson, starring Killian Murphy. Sorry, Gary Oldman. Starring Gary Oldman. Tom Wilkinson. Starring Tom Wilkinson. This movie, it was a direct adaption of the darker movies of uh, darker comic books of Batman inspirations from the long Halloween, which Matt Reeves right. Reeves is also drawn inspiration for, for the Batman. This movie brought back Batman. Batman was dead. Joel Schumacher directly shot Batman in the face in the nineties, whether it be Batman and Robin Batman forever with terrible uh, adaptions following what Tim Burton made a darker Michael Keaton Batman. I'm going with Batman Begins, number one pick. Flex, thoughts? Cast tells itself, unreal, unreal. Uh, man, like superhero, yes, the superhero movie, but why it's so good? It has all different elements of crime, drama and to go along with that cast that's so influential on this movie and in Hollywood, and they really came out to shine here in Batman Begins. And also, you're going to find a common theme here in these origin movies where it's either bringing, bringing people back like from the dead that were stars and that then they they kind of whittled away or it elevates an actor to stardom christian bale here of course american psycho uh five years earlier or six years earlier but he still wasn't necessarily christian bale as we know him today like he didn't even get an oscar nom for american psycho this one like when, when he got cast as batman and then like this came out and he killed it it was like all right christian bale is an a-lister uh, like exactly. a certified a-lister so you're going to see those two th- that those common themes here throughout this draft so great and a, pick and a lot of times these movies like it's only as strong as its villain i think liam neeson as raz al ghul is one of the most underrated superhero villains that has ever been uh brought to screen one that was so good they had to bring him back for the dark knight rises i am ecstatic to have batman begins ricky flex we're on to your first round pick second overall okay my first pick, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's an origin movie, right? Yeah, that's an yeah. origin movie. I didn't even have that on my list because I was thinking of the team up. But yeah, it's uh, an origin well, I movie. I could have just snuck that in the final round. It's okay. Yeah, but, I have no, um, I didn't, it didn't even cross my radar. I love That's that got to be though. an origin movie, right? Yeah. Like, no, it I, is. It is. And I, so I was going to ask you before, like, oh, do team movies count? But I feel like a, this type of team does count. Because it's like it's it's obviously centered around Star Lord, but it's an origin that has more than one movie, and they have influential part on on the Avengers uh, as a and the MCU, and like it just was totally different. This movie I think changed a lot of things, and it was I don't want to tease other picks, but it was before a few other films uh, came out years later, and I don't think those films would have hit as well without a Guardians with this comic relief with it that is just totally different and a soundtrack. And then also going back to the theme with Chris Pratt elevated him to stardom. So Guardians of the Galaxy will be my first pick. 
Wow. Uh, As I said before, it didn't cross my mind, but it absolutely qualifies. This movie um, was the first time the MCU really took a chance. I guess you could say they took a chance by a certain member that would be cast as a major hero that they circulated around. Right. I don't I'm sorry not to tease a pick. Yeah. But, but this is the first time they took a risk in terms of the filmmaking process and something that they're trying to do today. And like, like like the, the, the formula for this movie was something the MCU that was so foreign to the MCU. and so foreign to superhero movies. And when you talk about the soundtrack, almost how James Gunn was picking the music before he even shot the movie, he knew what he wanted to do. The formation of a Chris Pratt, the unlikely casting, right. Then you all, also had Bradley Cooper voicing a raccoon, Zoe Saldana. Like she's playing a person that's green, that's named like Gamora's. No, no one's heard of. Like all these characters that will become such influential members of the MCU. Great pick. Then my second, this might be a shocker to you that I don't go with one here, but I thought about it, and I think this movie would not have hit as hard without a Guardians. Deadpool. On my Deadpool. list, another one that changed the game, and also just was a part of pop culture like deadpool even kids that haven't seen the movie wear deadpool shirts now it's insane and ryan reynolds back from the dead back from green lantern five years prior and rom-com guy he's he hit deadpool deadpool was perfect match for him and he hit the ground running here um man this the gory dark humor just changed the game as well but it would not have been as great i thought without like the guardians to kind of open the door for it but uh deadpool like, I love that movie. Yeah, it opened the door for that raunchy character. It almost gave appropriateness to that R rating. The character itself does. Ryan Reynolds is maybe the greatest superhero casting of all time with him. Him, yeah. alongside with one of my next picks, is one of the greatest superhero castings of all time. Just like on point. Is it, was uh, it the highest grossing R rated movie at the time? Ever? At the time. I think it passed yeah. Passion of the Christ. Right. I, I, it, I believe uh, so, too. It grossed over is... $800 million. It, it even uh it even it was kind of a joke but at the same time it, it uh tried it uh it tried to qualify for an oscar in yeah. the same year i believe it was uh the golden globe was, nominee i think uh, yeah and i and i think it was the same year logan was going for an oscar it might, it might have been one year later in the battle uh, between hugh jackman and ryan yeah, Reynolds. And i think they were just hamming it up a lot and i think i think logan was a year later but logan i think actually won for best adapted screenplay did it was it nominated oh, gold movie but no i wouldn't be surprised I, I got to double check if it won. It was, it was definitely nominated. I'll tell you that. Uh, great pick. I, it was definitely on my list. Okay. On to me. I think my next two picks, they're sort of chalky. My first, I, my first overall pick, it, like, it was going to go one, two, or three, in my opinion, with Batman Begins. This uh, next one I'm going to go, I'm actually going to go Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, 2002, as my second round pick. Tobey Maguire is still the in my opinion he is spider-man and yes sir maybe not have the youthfulness of a tom holland or the energy of a tom holland but he was the face of a generation and i honestly think he's incredible in the performance you got willem dafoe as green goblin a menacing villain you're bringing green goblin to the first spider-man movie it was like bringing joker into the first batman movie like they belong together that's what i've been disappointed at with the tom holland movies that they haven't introduced any sort of green goblin until they brought back toby Maguire's green goblin in no way home so i thought that's kind of bs um but i'm gonna go spider-man there's so many in the origin story itself talk about that aspect uncle ben the emotional weight that 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 the, with great power comes great responsibility dropped on you. It was like a freaking hammer or a, a, a 
dumbbell just smacking you in the face. And then the the the, the bone saw scene, bones. Bone I, I forgot where that's my problem, where the, he lets the robber go by, and then the build up, the relationship with Mary Jane. It was mm. straight out of a comic book. It was so good. I'm going Spider Man as my second round pick. Any thoughts, Flex? He's my Spider Man. Always will be. Uh, but man, Tobey Maguire before Spider Man, like he did Pleasantville, and he was like a and he was the hitchhiker in Fear and Loathing in Vegas. So he was in it for like Cider two House minutes. Rules. Oh, okay. But before, like again, this movie, like cat, like catapulted him to start him, and he was oh, the yeah. face of the decade. Like, and again, we've said on this podcast, Superman, Batman, and Spider Man. I would say are like the top three superheroes in, in comic book history, in my opinion. So, and he was, he's the face of one of them. So big time. Like there's a debate between in Superman, like Christopher Reeve, like not trying to tease a pick or anything, but there's a debate between who's the best Batman and Spider-Man. There's now a debate, but in my eyes, it's still clearing away Tobey Maguire. Great pick. Um, and I'm, we'll move on to the third round. Now I want to go with one that arguably should have been the first overall pick. This is the most chalk pick of all time based on the popularity of the MCU right now, the one that kickstarted the MCU, rejuvenated Robert Downey Jr.'s career, proved that John Favreau is, in fact, one of the greatest blockbuster directors of our time. We're going with Iron Man, 2008, starring the one and only Robert Downey Jr. Uh, this was a character, we're talking about a C-level slash B-minus level hero that ends up be- becoming so electric right, with the performance by Robbie, Robert Downey Jr., that he becomes the circular figure, central figure, I should say, in the MCU, even more so than a Captain America, even more so than a Spider-Man, even though they didn't have the rights to him at the time. It's just fascinating that he, in the comeback of Robert Downey Jr., was so fantastic after his, like, fall from grace. He, and he became such a icon that lives on today. I'm happy with having that in the third round. Yeah. Yeah, and he was like a fallen star, like Oscar-nominated actor twice, and he was like a fallen star. And Kevin, like Marvel, didn't want him, but John Favreau was like, "This guy's perfect, great pick." And yeah, like that that arguably should have been one one. I didn't pick it because I kind of wanted to just get some non chalk on my board before I might go chalk. But yeah, like I think it's a great pick. Yeah, my my board is looking pretty chalky. Batman Begins is you could say it's like, oh, that was like not supposed to be a number one pick, but. It's pretty chalky right now. Let's move on to your third, Flex. Yeah, so I will go for my third pick. Uh, let's let's do uh, let's just do it. Let's do Black Panther. Black Panther. Um, it's not necessarily. I think there's uh, other movies that I I like better than Black Panther, but I think cultural significance, huge presence, especially in the MCU, uh, broke barriers with black director and cast. And Javik Bozeman, uh, Rustin B is just born to play this role. He like he is synonymous with Black Panther. Unbelievable performance. Um, I really like this movie. Like nominated for an Oscar, Black Panther. Yeah, Best Picture nominee. Um, Chadwick Bozeman, powerful as the character. As we said before, what makes a good superhero movie a lot of time is the villain to match the hero. Eric Killmonger, arguably the best villain alongside Thanos that the MCU has ever produced the vastness of the um, world that's created with Wakanda, a literally once in a generation type movie 
right? Uh, and that that never shown even that never shown greater than when Chadwick Boseman passed away, and the amount of love that was shown towards him, and how much pride he took in playing um, T'Challa. Um, I'm excited to see Black Panther Wakanda forever. Obviously, won't be the same without Chadwick Boseman, but we have Ryan Coogler, one of the best young directors of his generation, um, coming back to Helmet after Fruitvale Station uh, in Creed. So great pick. I, like, I had it on my list. Then for my fourth pick, I think, I don't think this is veto worthy, but I'm going to try it. I, I hope you don't pick what I'm going to pick. I was gonna. I'm gonna pick a a movie that's won an Oscar for best uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Oh, oh yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I, that's not what I anticipated you were gonna pick. Of course. Oh, I'm you're gonna, gonna go with the other. I know what you're going with then. Um, yeah, that because it's a sequel's coming and it's an origin movie about Miles Morales. Like it, it literally is such an unbelievable movie. I always has. I didn't want this movie. Arguably, is the best movie out of any of the ones that were picked. But just because it's animated, I wanted to give some love to non-animated movies. I just think they're naturally better. Uh, I think there's, uh, besides the actual work that goes into an animated movie, I just, the acting is just so core to me. So I really just am more of a, like, human element. That's what I like better. But Spider-Man, this might be the best comic book movie ever. And won an Oscar, best animated movie. The soundtrack's unbelievable. And the one thing you always need in origin movies is iconic moments, and this one might have the best of them all. And you know what I'm talking about. So yeah. I'm going to go Spider-Man the Spider-Verse. The Leap of Faith scene, bro. The Leap of Faith scene. So good. One of the best soundtracks to any superhero film, period. Doesn't matter, animated or not. This absolutely was on my list. You'd be a fool not to have this on your list. Uh, great pick. Like, uh, it's, I can't wait to see how this is adapted into uh, the MCU. It'd be really fascinating if somehow they made a live-action uh, Miles Morales that's based off the same one into the Spider-Verse, almost like a sequel that's live action. That would mm. be sick. Yeah, like That'd who would you there. like, obviously Donald Glover um, in Homecoming was re- referring to uh, his cousin, Miles mm-hmm. Morales or nephew. He exists. Yeah, so he's he exists. So it's going to be interesting who they cast as him, uh, the real life live action. I know Shameek Moore who voiced him in Into the Spider-Verse has said he's wanted to play him in live action yeah, as well. So. That would make sense if they wanted to do what I just said, like that type of sequel that's f- live action from the animated one. So you, you think uh, Detective Spider-Man Nick Cage will uh, will come into the live action universe? Spider-Man Noir? Spider-Man Noir or uh, Jake Johnson Spider-Man? This is making one kick-ass origin story. Yes. One of my favorite, one of my favorite superhero lines of all time. <laughs> it hits so hard. You know, oh. I was going to say Haley Steinfeld, Spider-Woman. Yeah. But she yeah. already has a role. Yeah, yeah. She's a uh, – what's her name again? Um, Kate Bishop. Yeah. Kate Bishop in uh, Hawkeye. So Maybe now we're, we're now on to the fourth pick of the draft here. This is where we get down to the nitty-gritty. Um, I have one I definitely want to take. But then it, I guess I'll just go with um, Joker as my fourth-round pick. Uh, this was a pretty controversial movie when it was released. It is an origin movie. It provides an origin movie to one of the, if not the greatest cinematic villain that has ever existed with Joker. Arthur Fleck is the name he's given here. Um, I I like how it didn't have the strong connection to Batman, yet it still uh, achieved so much critically and at the box office. Uh, So, uh, I'm a huge fan of Joaquin Phoenix. I think he deserved the Oscar, although I loved, loved, 
loved uh, both Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I loved Adam Driver in Marriage Story. I believe if Joaquin was playing another character that wasn't the Joker, he probably wouldn't have won the best actor. Um, the best or if he already had an Oscar. Or if he already had an like Oscar. Leo has one, so he kind of, you know. But if, like, let's say... Adam Driver too really early. Almost, let's say they did a remake of The King of Comedy, straight up, did a remake of it, right? It's pretty much what they did with Joker. Like, if they did a remake of that, would Joaquin still have won without the Joker recognition after Heath Ledger? I'm not so sure. I, mm. I really thought Leo was phenomenal, even more so than Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time. But that doesn't change the fact the performance was still stellar. It gave another look at a comic book movie. We talked about Deadpool being so successful as an R-rated movie. This was a $1 billion R-rated movie, one that took the world by storm. Joker, fourth rounder. You said it. Tom Phillips. No more comedy for him. No more comedy. Or just terrible comedy. Terrible stand-up comedy. <laughs> God. Um, here we go. Here we go. This is going to be an interesting pick here. Into the Spider-Verse, take it. We just saw... Our review with Shang-Chi this week. We have some uh, DC movies that I really enjoy. I'm, I'm split with Marvel. I only have one MCU movie. I have, I have one Sony Spider-Man movie, and then I have two DC movies. I am going to end my draft with a MCU movie. And the MCU movie I'm picking for an origin film is Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is my fifth round pick. I'm taking it ahead of some of the phase one movies that helped kickstart the MCU. Doctor Strange visually is a masterpiece. Very much Inception vibes. Benedict Cumberbatch, we talk about great superhero castings. Yes, Ryan Reynolds might be the best as, as Deadpool. Benedict Cumberbatch deserves to be in that top tier category for how he portrays Doctor Strange. And he's, straight out, he's straight out of the comic book. And I love myself some Benedict Cumberbatch. He's so awesome. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, we got an Oscar win for Power of the Dog or for our plump boy, Jesse Plemons. <laughs> Rachel McAdams, she, she'll have my heart forever after Wedding Crashers. Will, is the villain's demise, Dormammu, a letdown? Yes, that's exactly like the detractions we're, we're talking about in Shang-Chi. Uh, but I'm still going to go with the electricity that was Doctor Strange, one that it added, once again, that, another type of film to the MCU, almost like that visually pleasing in the type that it's almost like a mind bender, right? Almost like an interstellar type of vibe to it. So that's my fifth round pick. Yeah, yeah I think you said it all, a villain issue. That I, I That's... The reason why I was not going to pick it, I felt like that was an honorable mention one, because of the villain. I think it was if it was at a decent to good villain, this would be almost a perfect origin movie. Uh, yeah, but um, still great story too. Uh, yeah, man. And the what if episode four? If you haven't so seen good. that, That's very so good. good. My favorite out of the first five what if episodes is the episode four with Doctor Strange. I really did like the second one. I did like that one a lot. I just, I, I kind of. Is that T'Challa or? Yeah, uh, I had a hard time wrapping yeah. my mind around Thanos as a Ravager. Uh, but I yeah, guess I, I didn't like Doctor it. Strange as the better yeah. one. And that was the deeper and, story. And, yes, that's with why loss. I liked it. Like, it I was, thought it was a better comprehensive story. And episode five was really good too for an entertainment standpoint. And that might be the, that one was probably the most entertaining episode five. But right. my favorite and the best one, in my opinion, is What If. I'm oh, sorry, episode four. Obviously, what if? 
I think, yeah, just episode two, I guess, was just pleasing to see. I got, I got caught up seeing Chadwick Boseman again for the last and time, And as Star-Lord, it's so cool. That was a good yeah. one. That was and then the end of it, line. too, with Star-Lord, right? Yeah. Like, he, like, working in the Dairy Queen, that was, like, him and that, like, uh, that, the uh, what's Ego. his name? Got Ego, Ego left, right? That that connection. You're my son. To, yeah. Like, great ending. And the music was... Uh, flock of seagulls like that was that was pretty that hit that pretty was good. great yeah. I, started, I started freaking out when i saw that i was like damn like that was like the part where i was like that's what i'm talking about that's Star the kind Lord, of moment i was looking that one coming up let's go all right your fifth round pick mr irrelevant to end the draft or misses oh so that's what i'm <laughs> i'm struggling here um mm. all right since i have the final pick i can kind of talk this through so i already have an animated on my board so i'm not going to pick another animated one but the one i was thinking of was the Incredibles? Not wow. gonna pick it. Not wow. gonna. I'm not gonna pick it though. God damn it, Ricky! Why? I, I I don't I don't have your mind when it comes to top billing drags. Like, God damn it! I can't do. It. I already have an animated one. I can't have two animated ones on my board. Um, the Batman trailer 2022, Robert Pattinson, unbelievable. <laughs> um, uh, you, and, you don't think you could? You, you don't think that crossed my mind? You don't. Know <laughs> And obviously, you mentioned Mrs. Wonder Woman's probably the one that we're all thinking of. But I'm going to go old school. We have nothing before the year 2002. So let's pay yep. some homage back to uh, the 20th century and let's go Batman 1989. That's what I was thinking. Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, unbelievable Joker. Obviously, the Heath Ledger and now Joaquin Phoenix's is kind of overshadowing it. But people forget Jack Nicholson might be the best actor of all time. And he got to play the Joker and he was wow. electric. And Michael Keaton, not my favorite Batman, but he was so good. And what are they doing now in The Flash? They're bringing him back. So 1989 Batman will be my final pick. Diversified our boards. That's the one I was torn with. I really wanted to pick Batman 1989. Uh, I really, I like, I think Michael Keaton, he obviously at the time, we weren't alive at that point, but he was like being uh, dismissed when he was cast by Tim Burton. And he really proved that he could like he could wear the cape and cow, and like that is like like the fact that they're bringing him back. It shows how beloved he is by DC fans. And then Jack Nicholson, I agree, he arguably is the greatest actor who's ever lived. Like he is he, up there. People always talk about like the De Niro versus Pacino. We have the, we did that on our first ever podcast or second, right? But Nicholson, my God, if you look at his body of work. It he's is top three. Then you want to throw in like Daniel Day Lewis, Marlon Brando. I think that's right. like your five. Oh God, he is incredible, I- incredible. And again, I mentioned the theme before uh, with either bringing back people from the dead or rising to stardom. Michael Keaton, like he was doing like in the eighties, like yeah, Mister Ma, like Gung Ho, like he was doing these. You know, I don't know what the column, but like he did Beetlejuice. He's a, he's a yeah, he did Beetlejuice the year before. Uh, in 88 yeah so it's just like and then he's batman <laughs> like what it's like now batman is such a coveted role man like robert pattinson had to like imagine he robert pattinson cast right after twilight like that's like <laughs> yeah like that's that a great been, analogy like it's just like it's just like someone who's yes like uh, people like him but is he batman like robert pattinson had to build himself up to that point even ben affleck was being dismissed even all the accomplishments ben affleck has had in his career people were like he can't be batman and Christian Bale's coming off American Psycho. Even then, like you're just like and that was five years just, earlier. Like people, are, yeah, people are just like dismissive immediately. That's just kind of the culture we live in. But think about it; it's almost like having 
I, I'm trying to think of like a comedic actor. Like it's almost like Paul Rudd being ca- like back in like 2010 being cast as Batman. I'll give you, you one. Know? I'll give you one. Yeah, yeah. I like this. Seth Rogen as the Green Hornet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's an example of where it didn't pay. Yikes! Out. That yeah, was that on your list? Any honorable mentions? Oh hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Hail to the no. Here are the list before we get going to some honorable mentions. Dr. Rowe has Batman Begins, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Joker, and Doctor Strange. Ricky Flex has Guardians of the Galaxy, Deadpool, Black Panther, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and then Batman parentheses 1989. Flex. Honorable mentions. I mentioned a few before. Uh, and like like Wonder Woman, obviously that changed the game. Similar to Black Panther, finally a female-led superhero movie, and it's a Patty Jenkins director and put her on the main stage. Wonder Woman 2, 1984, tough. Um, but very tough. There's a few others. I don't want to take take up too much more time because uh, I know you'll probably have a bunch. Captain America: First Avenger. Some people uh, th- don't like it. I really like it. I love Hugo Weaving as Red School. I know Nez, uh, our counterparty here, co-host. Does not like Red School. I remember when I drafted him, he did not like the pick. I like the pick. I like him. And Tommy Lee was great in that. Uh, kick ass. Kick ass. I Nick didn't Cage. have it. I didn't have Nick it. Nick Cage is in the movie, so I had to at least. Ghost Rider? Ghost Rider. Did you have Ghost Rider on your list? No, but I thought about it. As in, like, no, I, I, yeah, like I came across. It just across. popped in your head. Yeah, it popped in my head. Um, and then just a couple quick ones. Blade. Uh, we mentioned Marshall Ali earlier in the review. And uh, X Men First Class, damn shit! X Men First Class, that like I, I, that I, one. I might have picked that one over Doctor Strange. I, I fast train, fast train, or maybe the original X Men too. Does yeah. that count? Yes, 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 yes. The first one, the first man, one, I, yeah. man. Maybe I should have gone original X Men. The first class is like Days of Future Past. I think is a masterpiece, but first that's class so good is really good still. You could argue at Days of Future Past is like the first multiverse Marvel movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, obviously, it's not. Like it was a part of the 20th Century Fox. Right. Or, so it's not in Marvel. Not the MCU, but it's right. Marvel. But yeah. It, wow. Yeah. And oh, man, it's like the superhero, either the Christopher Reeve 78 or Man of Steel 2013. Yeah. And like, I know Man of Steel. Underrated. Had, I mean, um, Spider-Man, I mean, Superman, excuse me, with Chris Reeve at the time was a phenomenon. Like, he was the biggest movie star on the planet following him with Marlon Brando in the original Superman. That's why this is whole... Gene Hackman. This whole controversy around Superman's crazy. Yeah. Just put it yeah. in yeah, yeah, and we're good. And, uh, I, I, honest, like, just to throw in a couple other names, Ant-Man was up there. Uh, Again, Shang- Guardians kind of opened the door for that. Like, I, I, I was, maybe Shang-Chi, Aquaman, I was never going to pick. Oof. Uh, but Man of Steel, like that is deserves so much better like, than what it's been given. Like what is it, it on really Rotten Tomatoes? I feel like it's like 55. Like, yeah, I feel like it's in 56. The 50s. My guess is 56. 56. I'm going to oh, now I got now I'm going to. All right. I can't do this somewhere. I'll go in the six, 63 is my guess. Oh, it's, it is 56. Holy crap. I'm, pre- I'm good at my Rotten like, Tomatoes. Why is Man of Steel 56% Rotten Tomatoes? Like. It's too know. dark. Like it's 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 a, it's, a, it's such a veer away from the character. It's a lot of it's a lot slower of a movie. You know what Zack Snyder likes to do. He loves his slow mos. I don't know. Like I, I guess Zod was a little bit of a, a one note villain. Um, Michael Shannon. Yeah, but he was a one note right. villain. It, it, it wasn't Michael Shannon was true. Michael Shannon in that right. right. But man, I I, really, I think Man of Steel gets better every time you see it. Score is phenomenal. It's so good. Zimmer. Yeah. 
Like it, like and, and he's like, been electric on Twitter recently. I mean, I mean, Chris Chris Nolan produced Man of Steel. Yeah, there was talks that they were going to make before the DCEU that they were going to make the Dark Knight a part of the same universe as Man of Steel. Imagine Christian Bale and Henry Cavill in the same movie. Imagine Man of Steel went on to like have the same influence as the Dark Knight. Then like it's like let's say it's hitting ninety five percent Rotten Tomatoes. This is Superman. Eight eight point eight out of ten on IMDb. Then all of a sudden. Out in the DCU is in a total different direction. I just like, think, you know, I mean? think people just forget how because obviously Superman, like we had the 06 Superman, which I really like, but obviously Superman Returns. Is, yeah. yeah, I do like. I it's like on, that it's one not too. Origin, but it's like a really good movie. But uh, like it's just crazy how people. If, if there's a good superhero Superman movie, it's probably gonna break every work record, like a box office record. It's up. I think Batman. Batman has it over Superman, but Superman's powers and. I don't know. It's history behind it. Maybe it's too far gone. But I think it's too far gone. I think it's exactly that. So sad. Yeah. Like it's like like Superman Returns. Kind of like it was like it made a mistake by building off of Superman Four with Christopher Reeve. Yeah. Why would you not just try and reboot it? Whoever. Who thought of that? Hopefully not someone I like. Yeah. It's just like make make something else. Like why would you continue that story after those three and four were so abysmal? That does it for our draft of greatest comic books, superhero origin movies. That's going to also do it for our episode. Thank you for listening. Make sure if you're listening, screenshot that you're listening, put it on your story. We're going to repost your story. And then we'll even give you a shout out on the pod. We have merch coming, right? If you, if we'll give it to uh, three of our listeners, we will give a shirt to our listeners that repost our that they're listening to the episode. Excuse me. That wasn't very uh, tight knit, but thank you for listening next week. Card counter card counter next week. Going to be massive. The slate for the rest of the year. There's almost bangers week after week. Make sure you're tuned in to the drive-in podcast. We will. Smooth.